60,000 is brought to you in part by RP Funding. RP Funding Inc. is licensed and can offer loans in Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Louisiana, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia, and is also licensed by the Mississippi Department of Banking and Consumer Finance and by the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Office is located at 500 Wonderly Place, Suite 300, Maitland, Florida, 32751. Telephone 321-397-4420. RP Funding Nationwide Mortgage Licensing System ID number is 70168, and Robert Palmer's NMLS ID number is 76197. We're saving thousands with Robert Palmer right here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. Robert Palmer is the financial advisor that you've been waiting for. From personal finance to credit cards, debt management, home ownership, and of course, refinancing. Robert Palmer takes to the airwaves now seven days a week and often 24 hours a day to help consumers just like you enrich your lives. Those who listen to Saving Thousands radio show and who frequent the savingthousands.com website quickly and easily become informed and empowered as masters of their own financial world. Today is the day that you start taking charge. Here's what we're going to talk about today. We'll talk about department store credit cards. Are they a good idea? Or would you be just as well off or even better off by just going to the bank that issues those credit cards and applying there? How about the basics of your credit score? What is your credit score made up of? We'll talk about the government warning of a possible phone scam outbreak due to some recent fines and some recent orders to give rebates that could affect you, all right? We're also going to talk about the fact that housing is back. Big, big hedge funds are getting back into the housing market, and we'll talk about why you aren't. Well, you need to get back in there. We're also going to look into how you can benefit from the emphasis on customer service at one of Robert Palmer's companies that deal directly with you, the consumer. Now, if you have topics you'd like to see discussed on this radio show, we would love to have that input. So you can do that two ways. You could text us ideas to 35353. That's 35353. Or you could simply go to savingthousands.com and click on the Ask RP tab. Well, Robert, your research from one of your companies shows that getting a department store credit card could be costing us right there in the wallet. Yeah, we, we pulled an example of this. And I, don't have, I don't have the exact numbers, but roughly. So we looked at the bank that was backing the card. That's right. right? Because the thing is, the department stores, it's not their money. They go hook up with a big bank and say, hey, big bank, we can we can scam our customers into signing up for these cards so we can charge a much higher interest rate, whatever. So they get together and they say, all right, we're going to charge these people 29% interest, 25% interest, whatever. If you called that bank directly, you can get a card at like 12% interest or 13% interest. I mean, they, they literally double it because you're getting it in line at the store. Now, you can take you can take advantage of this. You can use this to your advantage. You know, you can pay that card off. You can you can make sure that they never get a dime of interest out of you, and then you do get that savings. But what happens, a lot of people don't, Rob. And, and, no. and what I will tell you is uh, I personally do not think having a trade line is worth you know, if you look at the savings, right? So if you're going to buy a $250 item or $200 item and they're going to give you 20% off, you're going to save 40 bucks. You know, I don't know that 40 bucks, in my opinion, is worth uh, applying for a new credit card, getting the credit ding, having this new trade line. Because remember, the first six months of having a new trade line, it, it hurts your credit. And yeah. so are you going to let you're going to let your credit score suffer for six months just to save 40 bucks? There's people who do it to save five dollars because they're it's a smaller ticket when they check out at Kohl's or whatever. And, and I think you have to be more strategic about where you use yeah. these. You have to be strategic in if you end up buying a car and you miss out on the 0% interest deal because your credit score fell because you took the, the $40 savings at the department store. Or if you miss out on a, like a, if there's like an 18 months interest free for furniture or for a big jewelry purchase or whatever, you may miss out on that because your credit score dipped because you took advantage of that little store card. Yep. Uh, so I am not a fan. I, I, I think we've got to be strategic as financial ninjas, but we've got to be we've got to be more strategic than that. Just because you can mm -hmm. save a few bucks, even if you pay it off and never let them get interest out of you, it's still now a new trade line. There's still some some downside to having it. And and I think there are better alternatives where you can save more money uh, by making better decisions in other ways. And if you're not a very responsible consumer, and a lot of people are a little bit lazy about this, they'll go, okay, here's JCPenney where I have a thousand dollar uh, credit limit. Okay. Here's Kohl's where I only, I don't have a credit limit. Oh, I can go over there and get the clothes because they say I've got that much money. You know, when it comes to department stores, you think, oh, that's how much merchandise I can have. You don't think about the payments. No, absolutely. You know, uh, <laughs> in, the, in the early days when Jill and I were broke, you know, when I first opened RP funding, uh, we lived like her Best Buy card. She had a Best Buy card that had like a couple thousand bucks limit on it. <laughs> 
And so, like, if we needed anything that you could possibly buy at Best Buy, we were going to Best Buy. And now we weren't going to shop around. We weren't worried about getting the best deal because we had credit there. Yeah. You know, and, and this is the trap they want you to fall into uh, because they know that's what's going to happen. And so there, there's really, this is where rule number three comes in, the three-day rule. So one of our, you know, no, rule number three on the saving thousands rules here is the three-day rule. Well, if you're standing in line at Kohl's or Best Buy or whatever, and they offer you a credit card, you can very politely say, well, I'm sorry, I have to wait three days before I can make a decision. That's it's part of my rules. It's part of how I live financially. I'm a financial ninja. I don't make, I don't apply for credit. I don't make a decision like that without, you know, reviewing it for three days. So if you'll please give me the pamphlet on your little a little on your card, give me a little flyer so I can go home and I can study the interest rate, the APR, the annual fee, and, and all the terms and conditions. Uh, then if in three days, if it seems like a good idea to me, I will come back and I will get your little credit card. And they'll say, but sir, you're going to miss out on the opportunity to save 20% on today's $100 purchase. And I will say, well, that, that's okay. I'll probably be back here and spend $100 again. Uh, and I'll just apply for the card then three days from now or later. So then uh, three days later, you say, you know what? It does seem like a good idea to get that Kohl's card or whatever. I shop there a lot. I think it's worth it. Uh, if that's the decision you make after three days of thinking about it, then the next time you go shopping there, maybe a month later, maybe six weeks later, and you spend $100, now you can take advantage of the discount. Uh -huh. But I want you to go in there having already done your homework. I want you to know what the annual fee is. I want you to know what the APR is. I want you to make that decision three days prior, right, to actually doing it. So now when you're in there shopping, you know at the register, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Kohl's card. You made a decision on your own terms. No one pressured you. You weren't distracted by being in line. You've looked at this and you've made a decision as a financial ninja that this is something that makes sense for you. This is one of the credit cards, one of the tools that you want in your arsenal. And you've thought on it and you've slept on it and you followed rule number three, the three-day rule. And now you're ready to go back in there and you're ready to get that card the way a financial ninja would, which is prepared as a conscious decision, not just falling into the smoke and mirrors of the discount. You'll still mm -hmm. get your discount. I mean, that's the thing. They give you the discount one time whenever you sign up for the card. Well, how many times? If you're only going to shop there once in your life, what's the point? Amen. Otherwise, just wait and get the card the next time you're there if it still seems like a good idea. So that is my advice when it comes to store charge cards because all of a sudden you will wake up one day and you will find a balance on there and you will be paying a ridiculous interest rate uh, all because you fell into that trap and didn't follow the three-day rule and didn't, probably good. didn't follow the, the rule number two either which is know your numbers. And you probably didn't follow rule number one, which is shop around. Shop around, know your numbers, follow the three-day rule. That's the top three rules here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. If you're just tuning in, you're Saving Thousands with Robert Palmer on the 80 stations strong, actually more than 88 stations, on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. And we want to thank you for listening to this radio station. It shows that you are an empowered person. You're a person who wants to be informed. You are a person who uses radio to get ahead. Now, radio is great for entertainment. No doubt there. We all do that. But again, you can search out great shows just like this on this great radio station. And that's why we selected it. Yes, we looked long and hard at radio stations across the southern United States. And we met and we picked out the best radio stations to reach great listeners like you that want to strive, that want to get ahead of the game, that want to be empowered that no longer want to be that person that on Wednesday has run out of money, but they haven't run out of week, okay? And there's even more where that came from. Right now, we're introducing the all-new Saving Thousands app for your smartphone. If you visit your app store right now, you'll download the free Saving Thousands app today. Once it's loaded, you can access on-demand recent radio shows and then play them back on your smart device. Let's say that you're listening to one of our shows and you get called away from the radio. Maybe you arrive at your destination on time. You got to get inside to your office. Well, now you can simply go to the app, the Saving Thousands radio app. You simply go to that and you can listen to the rest of the show or listen to the entire show over and over again. And folks, we have over 400 hours of shows to choose from. So there's some really great consumer advice that's waiting for you right there. That's the all new Saving Thousands app. And of course, we can't go much further in the show without reminding you of SavingThousands.com. That's SavingThousands.com. But you know, we all have a credit score. And I'm sure that a lot of us don't know what makes that credit score work or even where it comes from. Robert, help us out. Let's talk credit. 
And and so people understand a little bit how credit scoring works. Again, the basics. A lot of I mean, just the basics of this, so many people don't understand. So there are three credit bureaus in this country. All right. Mm-hmm. Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. All right. These guys don't generate the credit scores. Right. They didn't invent the credit scores. What they invented was and they call them repositories. What they are is they're basically the holding bank. They hold all the information on your credit. And so what happens is all of the credit companies, all the mortgage companies, all the big car lenders, collection agencies, all these people, they transmit data to the three credit bureaus, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. Mm-hmm. And then these guys keep a file of you, right? So that file is your credit report. And again, they're not getting daily updates. They get it once a month. Some companies only report every couple of months. I've got one credit card in particular. They only report every couple months. Really? So if I miss that deadline and I've got a balance on there, that balance is going to stick with me for the next two or three months. It drives <laughs> me crazy. It's a smaller credit union that I that I bank with, mm-hmm. and they just they don't report as often as as the bigger <laughs> guys do. You know, because you think about it, like there is a there's a this, they have to actually physically do it. Like they have to gather all this data up and put it in a format that's acceptable to the credit bureaus, and they got to transmit it to them. It's not, there's not just like it just beams around in the sky, mm-hmm. right? And so we actually, we report now, you know, on the loans that we service at RP Funding, we had to get set up to to report to the credit bureaus. And so what happens is the credit bureaus have this big file on you and each of your credit lines is only is only transmitting the data once a month in most cases. Mm-hmm. But uh, that means that the data is hitting them all throughout the month, right? Because one of my credit cards may send the transmission on the 3rd and one may send the transmission on the 10th and one may send the transmission on the 20th. And so it's constantly changing as these new transmissions come in. Well, then there's another company called Fair Isaac Corporation, which we all know is FICO, F-I-C-O. Uh-huh. And these are the guys that actually invented the credit score. Okay. So what Fair Isaac, F-I-C-O, FICO, Fair Isaac Corporation figured out is they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get all that data from Experian, TransUnion, Equifax, and then we're going to run a model on it and we're going to give it back a number. You know, we're going to give it back a score. Because what what they realized or the problem they were trying to solve is a lot of lenders, you know, credit card companies, it was it was very expensive to pay someone to read through seven years of your credit data and then try to decide if you were going to be a, a credit worthy person or not, uh-huh. right? So they would they would look through and they would pay these people, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year whose job were to look through the credit report and say, okay, well he's had this he's had this car loan for six years and never missed a payment. And he's had this credit card for 18 years and never missed a payment. Nope, nope. There he he had a late payment on this credit card back five years ago. You know, oh, this credit card's pretty near its balance. You know, and and then these it was like an art form. These people's job was then to <laughs> like process all this data and decide, okay, do we think this person's going to pay or not? So what Fair Isaac figured out, uh, FICO, is they took all of this data and they went back and they analyzed it and they said, okay. So we see here that in June, this guy filed bankruptcy, right? So what did his credit look like in February, March, April, and May leading up to that bankruptcy? Because those are the warning signs that someone is heading toward a bankruptcy. And so when they took millions and millions of credit reports and they dumped them all into the scoring model, and then the scoring model took negative events in people's credit files and then looked back to see what was happening immediately before that negative event— and that's what they used to to generate their scoring model. And so the big pitch to the lenders was, hey, instead of having to pay this person all this money to read through 30 pages of this guy's credit report, we're going to give you back a number. And that number gives you the probability that this loan will pay back. And so if your credit score is down in the 500s, you have something like a like a 50, 50 to 60% chance of paying mm-hmm. the money back. It's pretty low. And then if your credit score is over 760 or 780, it's like you have like a 99.9% chance that you're going to pay that money back. And and so we over the years, as the credit score has been reinforced more and more and more, there are lenders today, that's all they look at. I mean, for a lot of credit cards and car loans today, mm-hmm. they, they don't even look at the, the data behind it. They just look at the score. And if the score says 780, boom, you're good to go. If the score says 580, you're out the door. I mean, it really has just come down to that. And so because we are now being judged by this number, and the biggest problem with the number, Rob, is the number can't know about things that happen in your life, right? You can't tell the number, oh, well, I went through a bad divorce, and those aren't my debts. Those are my ex-spouse's debts, and they're a deadbeat. You know, the, 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 the number can't see that, right? And so we took so much of the human element out of this, but it's important for consumers to understand because- Again, it doesn't affect that on your credit until you go 30 days late, right? So if, if your credit card is due on the 3rd, you know, I got a credit card payment. 
It's a hundred bucks and it's due on April 4th. As long as I make it by May 3rd, it's not going to reflect negatively on my credit report, right? It's not considered a 30 day late. And then, so then they go in 30 day increments. So a 30 day late is kind of your first ding. And then you have all the way until a 60 day late before it gets worse. And then a 90 day late and, and so on and so forth. Then other types of debts don't report at all. Like if you're 30 days late on your electric bill, like they can cut your power off. Yeah. And it never goes on. It goes on your credit report much later if they actually file a collection against you. Uh, but uh, but so so say your your power bill's due on you know April April third and I don't pay it by May third and then they send me the warning notice and I don't pay it by June third and then they come shut my power off and then like oh god I need my power back on so mm-hmm. I find the money running there and pay it and they turn the power back on uh, that never reflects on your credit report that whole transaction wow. of of being three months late and having the credit the the power cut off will not affect your credit report your credit score at all now four or five months later if you still haven't paid it. Now they will sell that account to a collection agency or they will file a collection against you. And that does go on your credit. And that's mm-hmm. very, very damaging. So one of the things that, that people have to understand is if you do hit hard times, uh, if you don't pay your cell phone bill, it's not going to ruin your credit. If you don't pay your car payment within the 30 days, you know, if you pay your car payment at day 31, if you pay your credit card at day 31, now your credit score is going to drop hundreds of points. Mm-hmm. If you pay your cell phone bill at day 60, Nobody cares. It doesn't go on your credit. You pay your utility bill, your water bill, your power bill, your property tax bill. These things you can be late with, and they don't show up on your credit. So, again, this is where education is important, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so knowing this, you know, when I hit hard times in my life, and there's been there's been times, you know, when, when I when I started my first uh, my first mortgage company, Rob, and I, I you know, I've had I've had two 30-day late payments in my life ever on my credit. It was wow. both times because I just screwed up. Like, it, it totally blew it. One, I swear I paid. Mm-hmm. And discovered says I didn't, and I want I hate those guys. Like I, I canceled that card, and I will never do business with them again because I know I paid that bill anyway. Uh, but so early on, you know, when I started my first mortgage company, uh, there was actually a point where I think I was like three months late on the phone bill for the office. You know, because it was tough. You know, starting off was tough. Sure. This was I was young. I think I was probably like nineteen or twenty, and you know, I had this great idea that I'm gonna I'm gonna own my own mortgage company, and I go out there, and I really didn't have enough money to do it, and I gave it a whirl. And uh, so I was like, I was like three months late on my, on my office phone bill. And my, my best friend at the time's dad actually loaned me the money to go pay it. Wow. Uh, my, my mom didn't have the money. You know, my mom couldn't help me out. My parents couldn't help me out. So my best friend's dad loans me like a thousand bucks. And I remember I'm down in line. At, this was like GTE back then, yeah, you know, right. GTE, general telephone. I'm in line and, and the, the lady tells me, like, okay, sir, you know, that's $1,011, whatever. And the guy behind me is like, what? How is your phone bill? Like he like this guy's got random guy behind me in line is like freaking out that, that my phone bill is like just over a thousand dollars and it was three months worth. They were about to shut it off. Oh, and let me tell you, when you own a small business and your phone gets shut off, mm-hmm. you're you're out of business. That's you it. are done. Uh, and so, but the whole time I kept paying my my credit cards and my cars. I I paid the stuff that would have reflected on my credit because if my credit score dropped, right? So as soon as I walked in there and I handed GTE a thousand dollars, all was forgiven. It was like it never happened, right? The phone stayed on. Everything was fine. Mm-hmm. Had I gone three months late on a credit card, it would have affected my credit score for the next 12, 18, 24 months. Mm-hmm. Had I gone three months late on my car payment, same thing, right? So I knew, you know, there was a point my power got cut off back in the day. It probably got cut off a couple of times back in the day. You know, and I'd be sitting around for a week with no power dealing with it. Go stay at a buddy's house because I, I got no power at my house. But again, I made sure I paid the credit cards and I made sure I paid the car loan because if those were late, it would have ruined my credit score. And in everything in life, especially as a small business owner, you know, if I wanted to get a new copy machine for the business, anything I wanted to do, when I went to open that 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 uh, phone account, they didn't make me give them a deposit because I had such a good credit score. Nice. You know, I almost got shut off because I didn't pay them for three months because I couldn't. <laughs> but you know, again, so it, we, it, you've got to understand the system. You've got to understand how the system works. So you can play by the rules. You can play by their rules and protect your credit score because little decisions like that. I mean, I think about that. Somebody who doesn't know that 30 days is the magic number, Rob, and and they pay that. You know, they get the money on day 29, but then they don't pay it until day 30 or day 31 because they didn't know any better. They they thought they were already done, right? Sure. They thought when they when they got the late fee at day 15 that their credit was already ruined, and this happens to a lot of people. Uh-huh. You know, they get the day you're 15 days late, you get charged the late fee, and you're thinking, oh, I just ruined my credit. What am I going to do? I just ruined my credit. I got to pay a late fee on this. In reality, you're good. You've got 15 more days. Uh-huh. It doesn't affect your credit until you're past 30 days due. But people don't know that. And that's where education is so huge. And this is something I think we should be teaching in our schools that we're not. 
And, uh, you know, that's, that's again, it's why I'm here mm-hmm. on the radio to try to open people's minds up to this because everything you do in life, buying a house, buying a car, starting a small business, all of these things, you know, getting your kid into college and trying to get student loans, all of these things are going to be based on your credit score, you know. And so mm-hmm. if you don't have the good credit score, uh, you may not be able to get the things you want in life. In a moment, Robert's going to warn you of a consumer ripoff that could be just around the corner. But first, you know, you heard Robert mention the rules a couple of times in the show already. Well, those are the saving thousands rules to success. Over the years, Robert has looked at thousands upon thousands upon thousands of mortgage applications, credit scores, and of course, he's been in the financial industry all of his life. So Robert has looked over the way that some people can have that score that we talked about at 850, while some have the 500 credit score. And he's also looked at the financial industry, the way that we get trapped, the way that we get scammed. And yes, we do have giant financial institutions that do some good things. But at the same time, we got some scoundrels out there, folks. All you got to do is turn on the radio or pick up a newspaper or even just go online and you'll see countless articles on how we are being ripped off every day, 24 hours a day. So Robert has created the 15 rules to success. Like he said, rule number one is always shop around. Rule number two is to know your numbers. We'll talk more about the rules as we go on. But let's get back to this consumer fraud business. Recently, the consumer finance people up there in the federal government have cracked down on Citi and a couple of other monster mega financial companies and ordered them to reimburse us, the consumer, for what the uh, consumer people are saying are fraudulent charges, fraudulent fees. And that's what the government accused these people of. And they said, all right, you have to repay this money to your customers. Well, that all sounds good on the first blush. But now that same government agency is saying that even the program to return the money could bring about more consumer fraud. Robert, can you walk us through all of this? But here's Very the cool. so here's the other interesting part, and I thought this was fun. Uh, so I read the the CFPB notice about this. Sure. And toward the end, they warned people to watch out for scammers claiming to be issuing the refunds. So think about this. Oh no. So you're sitting at home and you get a phone call, and the guy says, "Yes, I'm from City. Uh, you get a refund of two hundred dollars. Just give me your social security number, bank routing number, and I'll send that right on over." Oh, no. So uh, let uh, me warn everybody right now. City is not going to call you and ask you for your bank account information to give you this refund. That would be a scammer trying to empty out your account because scammers are smart. They like to take advantage of headlines in the news. Sure. Right. We see this. Uh, there's been a lot lately of people calling, claiming to be from the IRS. You know, and they, and they tell you if you don't give them your bank account information right now, they're going to you know put you in tax prison. You know, and then you got now you're going to have people calling, claiming to be from City. Or from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Yes, we're here to process or, your refund. Just give us your bank account number. No one no one is going to call you over the phone from any of these entities and ask you for your bank account number. I'll tell you what I do, Rob, uh, because I, I have like, like I've had, uh, I have a Bank of America uh, car, uh, car loan, right? And so they will call me sometimes and like ask me like, oh, please verify the last four of your account number. I'm like, look, I don't know who you are. So what I do, I, I should make this a rule. Make this. Let's make this a rule, Rob. Write this down. Because, again, the, the rules are about stuff I do in my life. And right. as I kind of think of it, we add them to the rules. Mm-hmm. So what I do is if someone ever calls me and asks me to verify information or whatever, I, I say I'm going to hang up and call you right back on the phone number that I know to be your number. Right. Uh-huh. So I don't call back the number they called me from because then I would get the same idiot scammer. So say this instance, Bank of America calls me and says, hey, Mr. Palmer. You know, we're calling about your whatever car loan. You know, we have a special offer for you, whatever, whatever. You know, please verify your mother's maiden name and the last four of your social security number uh, so we can verify your identity. And I say, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to hang up and I'm going to call Bank of America right back on the phone number that I have on the card, the credit card in my wallet. And I'm going to then proceed with this. So I know I'm really talking to whoever I'm supposed to be talking to. And if, if we would all if we would all do this, right, because this is how the scammers get you, right? So I, I had I had recently had one call me and she says, yes, uh, I'm calling about your computer problem, right? Oh, well, I didn't have a computer problem, but the chances are they will catch someone who did just have a computer problem. Sure. Right. And then they're like, oh, just give us this and all this information and whatever, and we'll get you taken care of. So whenever someone calls you and asks you for personal information, hang up and then call the company they said they were from, right? Because what, what happens is they will call... 
So like, like you know, the largest banks in the country, Bank of America, Chase, right? So they know if they call 1,000 people that 15 or 20 of them will actually have a Chase account or a Bank of America account. Oh, sure. It's a numbers game. It's statistics. So, they, you know, they, they call the three of us. So they call Rob and say, hi, Rob, we're calling about your Chase account. And Rob says, well, I don't bank at Chase and hangs up. And they call producer Dave and say, hey, producer Dave, we're calling about your Chase account. He says, well, I don't have a Chase account and hangs up. And they call me and say, hey, Rob, we're calling about your Chase account. And I'm like, oh, I have a Chase account. What can I do for you, right? So, you know, wrong. And so what we're going to do is we're going to hang up any type of any type of incoming phone call that has to do with financial services, banks, credit cards, anything. Mm-hmm. We're going to hang up and we're going to call back the number that we know to be that institution. And this is going to protect us from scammers because, I mean, they're doing uh, they are very sophisticated. My one of my banks put on an advisory recently. This is this is crazy, Rob. So we have these RSA tokens. Right. So like it's a keychain with a number on it and the number changes every like 20 seconds. Have you seen this? No. So it's a little token on a keychain and the number changes every 20 seconds or whatever. And so when, when I go to log into my online banking for for any of my companies, I have to put in this this token key. Right. And it changes every 20 seconds. And the idea is someone would have to get their hands on my physical keychain in addition to knowing my username and password in order to right in order That's to cool. in order to hack my bank. Well, there was a company recently that uh, they sent out an email to the CFO, the scammers did, and said that she needed to log into the bank or whatever. And so she clicks on it. It took her to a fake website that looked just like her bank's website. She entered in her username, password, and the token number. Oh, no. And then they immediately took it and typed it into the real bank and were able to bypass the security. And they sent like $10 million worth of wires. This was like a massive massive manufacturing company. So again, the scammers out there are very smart. You know, we, we've got to be, I don't ever click links in emails. I type in the, the URL, like, right? So if I'm trying to go to bankofamerica.com, uh-huh. if I get an email from Bank of America that said, hey, Robert, your loan is past due, click here to pay. And I'm like, well, my loans aren't past due. I better investigate this, right? I won't click on the link because the link could be fake and could take me to some other sure site could. that looks like Bank of America. I will go to open up a fresh web browser and I will type in www.bankofamerica.com. You know, again, I use them as an example because they're the largest. Uh, I, I definitely do not endorse or think anyone should bank at that particular bank, uh, but they're the biggest. So I like to use them in my stories uh, as opposed to my real banks. But anyway, so I would go to bankofamerica.com and then I don't run the risk of the link that I was sent being fake. True. Right. And, and redirecting me to some other website where they're going to steal my information. Mm-hmm. So, and again, I, I've just given you more protection than than City or LifeLock combined here in uh, in two minutes on the radio. They have if for you, years. If you follow these uh, these these couple of things right here, uh, you don't need LifeLock or any other mm-hmm. type of, of of identity protection or whatever. You know, I, I do like uh, the credit monitoring from the bureaus. It, it's a lot more affordable. You've like, done a show on that. Yes, I, I, I personally, I, yeah, I use uh, myfico.com. Right. You know, I don't have any kind of deal with them. Whatever, I just like them. And so I get alerts on my phone whenever somebody pulls my credit. I like that. That's the extent of anything I would pay for when it comes to identity theft protection, right? So if you have that monitoring, so when someone does pull your credit, you get a little alert and you know. Or if you don't want to do that, you can just freeze your credit, which if you've been a suspected victim of identity theft, you can, which I think at this point we all qualify. We all do. I mean, I, I shop at Target. You know, I'm a potential identity theft victim. That's right. You know? So I think just about everybody qualifies for that exemption. Uh, the way things have been going. Oh, uh, yeah, the IRS. Yes, I filed with them before. Uh-huh. My information might have been compromised. I mean, when you look at the the vast amount of data breaches going on out there, uh, so you can freeze your credit or get one of these little cheap deals that'll that'll give you the alerts when your credit's pulled. Uh, be the weary of incoming calls. We're gonna we're gonna hang up and mm-hmm. call back the number we know, and then we're not gonna click links and emails. We're going to type the name of the company instead. You know, if, you're if probably- it's asking for personal private information. E- they're probably going to start making calls from one of these unscrupulous groups that's going to call and say, oh, did you hear on the news last week or on Robert Palmer's show about the settlement with City?" Absolutely. And they're liable to say, our company can get you that money so you don't have to. That's right. Just give us a processing fee. There you go. Give us a processing fee, but we need all your numbers too, Mm -hmm. right? And I had a call a few weeks ago that bothered me, and I did exactly what you said to do. I get a call. Have you ever been called from Social Security? Nope. Are you kidding I guess me? I'm not in the right age bracket. Okay, I'm 62. About a week after I turned 62, Robert, I get a phone call. 
Hi, this is Social Security. We see that your ex-wife has filed on your account. Now, have you? do you want to file today? We can walk you through the application right here on the phone. Do they think I was born yesterday no. or 62 years ago yesterday? Right. Are they nuts? You know, and they probably, I would say they probably got your birth date out of voter registration records. Sure. So voter registration records are public. Oh, and, and they have birth, that's where they And got. they have birthdays in it. And so that that's a, a lot of people get that information that you can, you can get the voter registration records for free from the different counties. And in there is the name and the birth date. And so they're targeting people around their go. 62nd birthday because it makes sense. You're like, oh, I'm 62. Sure, oh, they're calling. I can calling. file now? Yeah, it's great. I don't have to go to yeah. an office and wait yeah. in line. Yeah, this is so wonderful. Oh, how cool. Yeah, so we, we've got it. we got to be smart. we got to watch out for this stuff. The, the scammers are definitely out there. Uh, and so, again, the, the city thing, it, people are going to be making calls. And they're going to be saying, hey, yeah, yeah we're from city. We want to process your refund. We've Yes, we were very bad. We've been fined $700 million. <laughs> terrible. Yeah, and we're going to send you your piece of it right now. Just give me your bank account routing, Social Security, mother's maiden name, dog's first name, whatever else. Last four years social and we'll get your refund processed immediately. And if that happens, what are we going to do? We're going to follow the new rule. We're going to hang up, and we're going to turn around and call City. We're going to say, "Hey, City, I would like my refund," and mm-hmm. then we'll figure out if it was legit or not. And probably not. My my guess is that if you have a credit card with City, you're going to see some kind of statement credit for the amount, right? They're just yeah. going to. So even if your balance is zero, they'll credit you the couple hundred bucks or whatever, and your statement then will be negative balance, and you can just go charge it up. Which is what they'll do. Yeah, exactly. They will they're, certainly they're not, put that on. Right. And they're not gonna they're not gonna write you a check probably. They're not gonna wire you the money. They're not gonna send you over a bag of cash, right? Big Steve is not gonna show up with a duffel bag full of cash at the oh, front God. door from City. It's gonna be a statement credit. Mm-hmm. And they don't need any information from you to process the statement credit. That's right. So there. so if anybody calls you claiming to be from City, just just hang up and move on with life. Sandy with LifeLock. Just move on. You know, it seems to me, Robert, why these companies make enough money with what they do, with the services that they somewhat provide. They do. I'm telling you. Their so stock, why do they have to cheat? Their stock prices would be higher. Their value would be higher. Their profits would probably be higher if they would just do it the right way the first time. As you're listening to the program today, no doubt you've thought of family, friends, maybe coworkers who could really benefit from saving thousands with Robert Palmer. So one, I hope that you'll turn them on to the show. Number two, I hope you'll direct them to savingthousands.com. Great website. We'll talk more about that as the show goes on. But there's so many important tools that Robert Palmer and the Robert Palmer family of companies are making available to you. These are tools that if you would have had five or 10 years ago, maybe you would be much better off today than you are. And that's what they're all about. The Saving Thousands tools that are throughout the internet on savingthousands.com. And as we mentioned, Saving Thousands, the app for your phone. What a great deal. When we left off a while ago, we were talking about the rules. And I mentioned rule number one, always shop around for all of your purchases. You got to save money through your ATM fees, your monthly fees on your credit cards. There's a lot of ways to save. And if you're looking for a major purchase, by golly, you've got to shop around. Number two is to know your numbers. What do we mean by that? Well, we want you to know your credit score, as Robert talked earlier in the show. You've got to know your home value, and there are various ways that the Robert Palmer family of companies can help you with that. You've got to know your balances on your credit cards, on any loans that you've got down there at the bank, and you've got to know how much your take-home pay is. You know, a lot of people really never pay attention to that because since everything's kind of online now, they sort of just give a glance at their bank uh, app to see, you know, if it's gone up. Well, yes, it did go up, but I don't think they analyze the dollars and cents on Did they get paid for every hour that they worked? And then, you know, it goes on and on. So you really have to know your numbers. All right, Robert, we've been talking around the office that the housing industry is getting a lot of big business involvement lately. They know that housing is back after the bust. The problem is John Q. Public isn't so quick to respond. Yeah, and we're seeing the effects, Rob. You know, I was at a, I was at a conference in Denver recently, and we had an, an economist come in and talk about housing. And and one of the big reasons that housing uh, is not recovering uh, at the rate it should. I mean, we're doing well, things are good, but uh, millennials and the younger generation are just not buying. Uh, people are buying homes later in life. Uh, there's a lot of these things happening, and uh, a lot of folks want to blame the the mortgage industry that the rules are too tight, the guidelines are too tight. And that's just not the case. I mean, it's it's actually pretty easy to get a mortgage right now. We, we talked about this on yesterday's show. 
Uh, what, what's keeping a lot of people out of the game is the student loan debt. When you look at the average uh, amount of payments for student loan debt uh, that people now have, uh, and up until recently, if your student loan debt was deferred, right, we were able to not count it against you in your qualifying ratios for a mortgage. Uh, that has now been changed. Student loan debt has become such a problem that we now have to count an estimated a payment against you, even if your loans are not yet begin to to require payments, which is a new guideline. Uh, so that is going to hurt some people. Mm-hmm. But this student loan thing uh, is definitely weighing on people's ability to purchase homes. When, yeah. when the amount of student loan debt has gone up so significantly, and th- th- those, are, I mean, people are making house payments on their student loans. I mean, you know, there are people out there paying a thousand, twelve hundred dollars a month for student loans. Uh, and they went to a college that that possibly falsified information and and had no intention of helping them succeed, uh, and that is now replacing their ability to buy a home. Uh, for some people, it's replacing their ability to live on their own. You know, they're having to live with roommates. They're having to, uh, you know, rent an apartment and split it three ways because they're strapped with these student loans. And uh, it's just it's an unfortunate situation. It's one that we let get completely out of control. Uh, you know, if I saw this coming six years ago. Uh, others should have seen it coming as well, uh, and just another example of 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 us dropping the ball. You know, we dropped as a society, we dropped the ball on this, uh, and and the guys who owned these big for profit colleges made a lot of money because of it, uh, just like a lot of the the bad players in the mortgage industry made a lot of money, and now the burden is going to fall on the American taxpayer once again, unfortunately, uh, to clean up that mess. Uh, and and to undo and to pay back all of that money that was put into these people's pockets under under these false means and it's it's frustrating it it frustrates me to no end uh, and and I still don't think we are truly as we sit here today I think Corinthian was just the tip of the iceberg right uh, I think that that enough is not being done I think in another year or two we're gonna read about another one of these and another one of these and we're gonna wake up at two trillion and we're gonna have an even bigger problem. Uh, when we could have stopped it right here today at 1.2 trillion, you know, Corinthians should have been the wake-up call, uh, but apparently it wasn't because I, I don't see any type of widespread enforcement happening. You know, the, we're now trying to reactively deal with Corinthian and figure out what we're going to do with all the students who are strapped with this 3.5 billion dollars in debt uh, from a college who who was shut down for fraud, right? I mean, it just think about how crazy that sounds. I mean, I mean, 10 years ago, would you ever imagine a college being shut down for fraud? Uh-uh. You know, could you picture the University of Florida or Florida State University? I mean, these are institutions in our lives. Uh, you know, we look at colleges as, as something of credibility uh, and, and, and trust and honesty. Uh, and, and that's not what these, these new for-profits are doing in a lot of cases, at least not the bad actors. So uh, this is something that's got to be addressed. Uh, unfortunately, it's probably not going to be addressed soon enough. Uh, again, I think if uh, I think if financial literacy, it all goes back to my goal, Rob. If financial literacy was being taught in schools, right? If we were teaching our young people, our kids, our future generation to be more conscious about signing a note to borrow money, understanding the payments, understanding the interest, understanding the long-term obligation, understanding how student loans work, how credit cards work, how credit scores work. The lasting impact, you know, if you think about it, Rob, you're on the phone with someone. Uh, again, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put myself in the shoes of one of these these folks. You know, I just graduate from high school. I uh, I can't get a good job. I, I apply for a job. I send in my resume. And all of a sudden, I get called by this shark of a recruiter for a for-profit college, who is promising me the world right? Who is promising me a laptop, who is, who is getting me all hyped up, who is telling me he is the answer to all of my problems. All I have to do is e-sign some paperwork. That paperwork appears in my email, probably while he keeps me on the phone. Uh, because again, they want to close the sale on the first call. This is, this is old school subprime mortgage tactics, right? Uh, they don't want you to wait the three days. They don't want you to shop around. They want to get you right now. Uh, and all of a sudden that this person types their name into a box on their computer screen, and it changes the course of their life financially for the next 10, 15, or 20 years. I mean, Rob, we're talking about a 10 or 15-minute phone call and typing your name onto a screen, uh, and now your ability to buy a home is affected. Your ability to have a good credit score is affected. Uh, your life is completely changed in moments uh, because of the tactics used by these for-profit colleges. I mean, just imagine that. Just think about that. The, one little tiny mistake like that, right? Because you got caught up in the hype, 
because you weren't educated, because you didn't understand the long-term risks and the long-term downsides, and you didn't understand you know, how debt works and, and how loans work and how interest works. You didn't shop around. You didn't wait your three days. You didn't follow the financial ninja rules. And now you find your life changed uh, when in your mind you were doing something great. You were going to go to college, right? That's all they were trying to do. They were trying to go to college, something that is ingrained in us from a young age. So we ingrain in our children that they need to go to college, but then we don't arm them with the tools to make good financial decisions about choosing a college and going to that college. And that's, that's my big frustration. And that's where if I believe if we can have, uh, if we can have uh, financial literacy taught in schools, then, then we can see things start to change. Well, you know, I'm, I'm thinking now, when you brought up the, all these different specialty colleges, I started thinking, you know, have you been home in the midday? I know you're so busy, you probably haven't. But you walk by a television between like 9 in the morning and about, oh, 3 in the afternoon when the majority of people are working. And all of a sudden, you get to commercials, and there's a specialty school that's going to teach you how to drive a truck or go into IT or be a beauty specialist or any of these type of very special schools, I wonder how many of them were bad players as well. Because yeah, they, they, they're talking to the vulnerable people that are sitting at home unemployed. Yeah, there used to be one of these, Rob. It was like a girl in pajamas yeah. wearing like fluffy slippers. I remember you know, that. And, trying to, and, then, and so I actually did some research on that company, and they weren't even uh, a for-profit college. They were a lead generation company. Again, the, the parallels between this and mortgage <laughs> are just so similar. Uh, so just like, you know, during the boom, you had... Companies like Lower My Bills and Lending Tree and these lead aggregators who would advertise and they would sell your name to four mortgage companies. That's what these companies do. They run TV commercials promising you a better future through education. And then they sell your name to four of these for profit colleges, of which at least one is probably crooked. I mean, just statistically, with the size of Corinthian, uh, you know, one of the four, if not all four, are out to get you. Yeah. And now you've got four competing colleges all calling you nonstop, relentlessly. I mean, I've heard stories, Rob, of people getting literally hundreds of phone calls after calling one of those oh, ads. Ouch. Uh, and just one person after another trying to push them, sell them, talk them into attending the for-profit college. Uh, and again, it's just, it's so frustrating. It's something we've got to, we've got to stop. We've got to regulate. Uh, and uh, I think we're going to get it worked out. But, but it's going to take time, and it should happen right now. Uh, but it's not. And that's, that's what's, that's, what's frustrating. Still coming up on the show, Robert Palmer is going to talk about some changes in the mortgage industry that he's instituted that are really saving you, the consumer, big, big money. Well, throughout the show, I've been referring to savingthousands.com, but let me give you a little bit of a verbal tour of savingthousands.com. I hope you'll look it up really easy to go to saving thousands, right out thousands.com. Okay. Now, across the top, you're going to see tabs directly across there talking about radio shows, station listings, and the home value hotline form. That's very, very important stuff. Directly below the tab section of that homepage, you're going to see right there eight tabs that have various uses for you. And it'll direct you to articles and radio shows that have been archived dealing with eight major topics. Those topics would be personal finance, credit cards, credit scores, mortgages, home ownership and its benefits, being a financial zombie, which we hope that you will not be, all right, loans, and of course, banking. You can click on any one of those. And as I said, you'll find up-to-date, easy-to-read articles that are cutting edge about today's finances. And you're going to hear some radio shows that Robert has recently done on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. Plus, you're going to find some info modules What's an info module? It's a shorter version of a radio show. It may take one topic like, are you ready to buy a home? What goes into the house payment? What you should know before you go into a refi. And these are five or 10 or 15 minutes long, easy to listen to, easy to understand, and a great resource in your life. Okay, Robert, you have totally revolutionized the mortgage industry with the many of the things that you've done. Over the past eight years, there have been a lot of people that have made changes in their mortgage companies based on what you've done. But right here at RP Funding, the consumer is the one that wins from the changes you've made. Yeah, I tell you, we are the only mortgage company on the planet where the processor's bonuses are based not on volume, but on positive customer reviews. And they're, wow. they're penalized for negative customer reviews, right? Because that's the culture here. Because all this doesn't matter. 
right? I can have no lender fees and I can pay all your closing costs and I can have great low rates. But if we have crappy service, I wouldn't do business with us. So why would I expect you to? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. above all else, we've got to have great customer service, right? Because I don't want you to feel like you have to sacrifice great customer service to get a good deal, right? And I think a lot of people look at that way. They say, oh, well, you can't have value and service. Why not? That's what you deserve. That's what we deserve as consumers. That's what we deserve in today's economy. We deserve a great deal and we deserve great service. And so I had to make sure, see the great deal is easy, Rob. The great deal is so easy to give, mm -hmm. right? That's just, that's a money decision. I can go in there to my CFO and I can say, hey, take two and a half million dollars and move it out of the advertising budget and stick it over here and use it to pay people's closing costs. And we're not going to charge any fees. And we're going to have great low rates. See, I can just dictate all that. I can't dictate great service. I can't make my staff care if they don't want to care. I can't make people want to treat my customers the way I would treat them if they don't buy into my vision, they don't believe. And so I will tell you, it was much harder to build a culture of great service in the mortgage industry than it was to offer no lender fees <laughs> and no closing costs and great rates in the mortgage industry. Mm -hmm. Okay, And both are counterintuitive to what the rest of the industry does, right? The rest of the industry is charge as much fees as you can and who cares how good the service is, whatever. Because it's not a repeat business, right? In most people's yeah. minds, you know, it's like, well, you know, if, if you go to, you go eat at a restaurant, you may eat there a couple times a month. So they give you good service. You keep coming back. The average person only gets a mortgage about once every six, seven years. Right. And so our industry says, well, we don't have to give good service because we don't get repeat customers. Garbage. It's garbage. Uh -huh. So I decided we had to have both. And I thought the fees were going to be the tough thing. Right? I was like, oh, man, it's, it's going to be really hard to run a mortgage company with no lender fees and low rates and all this stuff I'm trying to do. That part actually was really easy. Uh, the hard part was getting 120 people to buy into my vision of great customer service when all of them, every one of them came from a company, another mortgage company, right? Some mortgage company, they were all in the mortgage industry. Mm -hmm. So they all started at a different mortgage company before they came here. And that mortgage company they worked for, no matter where it was, did not care about customer service the way I do. And so the hardest part of building my vision at RP Funding was getting 120 other people to buy into my vision. And now that they have, and they have along the way, and they've done a great job of it, and we've been able to offer that great service, that's what makes us unstoppable. Is the fact that these 120 people that I'm looking at right now through this glass window on the side of the studio buy into my vision of giving you great customer service. Now, does that mean we won't make a mistake? Absolutely not. Right. We make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. We're human. Mm -hmm. We're going to own it and we're going to make it right. You know, does that mean somebody out there is not going to have a bad day and maybe snap at a customer? They might, you know, and we're going to talk to them about it because when we send that post-closing customer satisfaction survey, trust me, the customer is going to tell me about it and, and right. they're probably going to think twice about it because here it affects their paycheck, you know, snap off at the wrong customer, get a negative review, lose money, lose money on your bonus, right? So that, that, that's, that's what we do. It's that important to me. And so we pay them really well to start with, and then the bonus they get for customer is, is above and beyond, right? So that, mm -hmm. that's, that's a way for them to make a way above the, the average for what they do is by giving amazing service to my customers. And if you want to experience that, all you got to do is pick up the phone and give us a call here at RP Funding. No lender fees, easy on-time process, great customer service. Uh, right now, I'm paying all the closing costs on refis, on purchases. We have the strongest pre-approval in the industry. We're here to help you every step of the way, walk you through it, hold your hand, make you a financial ninja, 855-773-8634, 855-RP-Funding. That's 855-773-8634, or you can visit us on the web at rpfunding.com. You know, and it, it shows with the morale around here. I see people getting off the elevator that may be going to other companies in this building, and they're frowning, and they're looking at the floor. Your people are getting out of that elevator. Their eyes are up. They're usually laughing. And they can't wait to come in here. And this is their family. This is another extended family they've got. 855-773-8634. 855-773-8634. Robert, one more. Okay, we've got, uh, this comes from Melbourne. we got Don and Brenda. They're in love. They're not married. And they don't intend to marry. They want to uh, buy a home. Can they get a mortgage as two separate people that are not wed? Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now, now here's one of the things I will talk to you about about this. So uh, in Florida, there is a special type of title that only married folks can take on their primary residence. And it's called joint tenants in entirety. Mm. And so basically what that means is that you you basically hold title to the house as like a singly a singular unit. And so what happens is if, if someone tries to file a lien against just one of you, it can't attach to the house. 
because the singular unit of you protects the house. Okay. All right. If you are not married, now you're going to take title as probably uh, like joint tenants with rights of survivorship, common rights survivorship. So that means if one person passes away, the other person keeps the property. It doesn't have to go through probate. But a lien against one person can attach to that person's 50% ownership of the property. So there are some some small oh. differences there when it comes to how you take title. All right? But we are happy to, to do a mortgage. We, we've we had mortgages with three or four borrowers, Rob. We'll have really? uh you know, we'll have uh, you know, uh, two people who are not married, and maybe one of their parents is a, is on there as well to help co-sign. Uh, so there's no requirement that the borrowers be related in any way. Two friends can go buy a house together. They don't have to be in love. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. we don't care. And so the the we'll loan. We can have three, four, five borrowers. We're happy to accommodate whatever situation somebody wants to do. Uh, but just be be aware of that. There is a difference in how you hold title and some of the protections uh, when you are not a married couple and when you buy a home. Oh. Kind of a combined FICO score type of situation, I guess. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna take the middle of everybody's FICO score. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. so we, we look at so if uh, if if one person has a seven forty and the person has a six twenty, we use the six twenty, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So if you got three borrowers on there and two of them have eight hundreds and one of them has a six forty, we have to use the six forty to figure out the rate. So it may be better to only borrow in the person's name with the great credit. Sure. And so here's the other thing: they could both be on title, right, without both being on the mortgage. So oh. we're, we're very flexible. We want to help you finance in the way that is best for you. We want to help you put it together uh, for your best situation, and that's how we're going to do it here. Well, Robert, I can't believe it. We have wrapped up yet another show on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. You know, we're going to keep doing this. We'll be over 600, 700, 800 shows before we know it. And right now, we're over 80 radio stations, folks. So if you're going to be leaving the coverage of this great radio station, maybe you're traveling during the fall. Maybe you're going up north to see the leaves. I say up north if you're a Floridian like I am. We say everything's up north, right? But if you're leaving the coverage of this radio station, take us along. That's right. We don't take up much space. We're just kind of voices, right? And But empowering voices at that. So what we want you to do is go to savingthousands.com you'll see a tab that says station listing. Okay. Just click on that and you will see other stations that run this very radio show. And of course, there's always the saving thousands radio app. You can download that and you can have it right there on your smartphone. And then, Oh, we haven't even mentioned, I think the grandfather of them all. And that is of course the Robert Palmer channel on iHeart. That's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So we're mostly across the South with our radio affiliates, but if you're going up into the Midwest or maybe you're going to Canada, whatever, you can take us with you on the iHeart radio app. So folks, there are so many ways for you to become empowered. We're glad that you made this radio show part of your daily regimen, and we hope that you'll spend a lot of time on savingthousands.com. We hope that you'll use the Saving Thousands app and that you'll use your smartphone for you to get smarter. That's a pretty good idea, isn't it? Well, for Robert Palmer and for Dave DeRico, our producer, and all of the researchers right here at Saving Thousands, have a great day.